Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome, Miss Kelly Talks. One more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Why you can't let me have my dramatic moment? Fam, I, I didn't know. I thought it was a beat. You just went eight beats. That was some real Neptune's Pharrell shit. I didn't know what was happening. Was Anywho, Kelly Talks with Monk with special guest again, my husband, Mike. Kelly Talks with the M's. Right. Kelly Talks with the M's. Uh, Kelly Talks with Eminem. Eminem. No. Because that could be deceptive. That could also sound weird. That could be Eminem the rapper. That could be Eminem the candy. That could be those little candy things. That leads to other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like copyright infringement. And then you start getting into what color are the Eminems. What color are the Now it's got real strange. It gets strange. If then it becomes a social issue. you would probably be a we don't need that. We don't even need to get into it. That's I would the like point. to. Yeah, that's the just point. let it go. But I would like to talk about. We, you don't want to talk about what kind no, of Eminem? No. Nope. I would definitely be a brown Eminem. I would not be in the conversation. No, I'm gonna know with that. No. M and M both say no to that. M and M both say no to that. It's a hard and though, so we know it's not. <laughs> Mike was like, I, yep, no matter what I do, it's gonna end. Nope. Yeah, man, he's been on the podcast three weeks now. This is pretty yeah. dope. So we're not naming the M&M's. Nope. Welcome to this week's Kelly Talks with Monk. We have a very special guest once again, uh, Kelly's husband, Michael Jew. Uh, you just reintroducing like that? Why did you say reintroduce? I was going to let you edit the whole part out. Now and you got to edit that part out. We got to edit that. No, I'm not going to edit that out. You have to edit it out now. I'm not going to. All right. No. Take 100. <laughs> Take 100. Welcome yeah. to Kelly Talks. With Monk. And special guest Mike Jew. He's just gonna say it himself. Like, <laughs> this is what it is. No one injection. No, no, no. Thank you, though. Nope. No one. <laughs> um, That's it. It's been a crazy week. You know what? This week, thanks to you, we went and saw I Am Not Your Negro. That's a great documentary, uh, documentary man. We went and saw it at the library. First of all, let me say this it wasn't at the library. I saw the posting at the library, okay. and then we went and saw it at the Civic Center. And, In Evanston. Yeah, and when we got to the Civic Center, it was so many old white people. <laughs> well, That's all it was in there. That, hate, was that so... hated him when he was alive, but love him now. Well, yes. actually, no. So here's, <laughs> here's an interesting people. thing. So as we're walking up, right? So let's rewind to the car. We were trying to say, so who do we think is going to be in here? Because this is like a weird thing. It's a documentary, right. and it's being shown at the Civic Center at 8 o'clock. Yeah, wow. yeah. it's it like 8 p.m. It's in, on a Wednesday. It's yeah. weird. So we're like, so who's going to be here, right? Because it's, it's us, and we brought our two teenage daughters, our youngest. She said, oh, I think it's going to be a bunch of old black people. And so I'm like, okay, I that's can, can kind of see that's yeah. a fair assessment. But then she said, wait, no, 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 no. It's going to be older white people because white people um, want to, white people love to know about like the black experience. Huh. So I, 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 I was like, okay, that's, that's another that's fair so assessment. Fair. But then I was like, okay, is it they don't understand the, black experience or is it that more that it was during their times and they can understand it from a different perspective now because they didn't have access to media the same way we did right so if you think about when they lived in Evanston or wherever they lived in Oak Park right in the more progressive areas of Illinois they didn't have access to YouTube and all these things that expose or vice today right that expose all of the yeah, they didn't see the, a lot. They the negatives, it. right? They right. saw what was posted on the news. That's right. all they and that's had an they opportunity to see. Believe, yeah. And so this is an opportunity for them to see a story about Malcolm X and Martin Luther King and uh, yeah. Meg Revers, I think, Evers was all right. And, and yeah. you know, so it was a very good, you know, it was a great dynamic because. 
back to your point, it was older white people that were in there, but I actually knew one of the women that were starting it from my Mm -hmm. parents' friends who was very much on more very far left, like like in the streets protesting type stuff, because my parents are very much a um, strong revolutionary background. That's an interesting idea, though, that that, uh, two things. One, they didn't know, and two, that they want to know now. The, the weirdest part, though, is... Well, we don't know if that's... Yeah, I mean, that's a, those, are all, yeah, those are all legitimate arguments. The other side to that is, though, that we're doing this weird thing now where people are like, well, we didn't know for the last six or seven years, and we're like, we showed you videos. Yeah, but, you know, it was hard to tell what the truth was. And we're like, but it was on video. Like, we saw it. <laughs> and the, 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 the more interesting thing to me is that during their lifetimes, like, Baldwin's brilliant. Like, it's just no way to watch anything with him. I didn't even know who he was until you remember right. that time you mentioned I So the that's discussion. how this all, even us going, yeah. inspired from me knowing him from you. But the craziest part about that is you see him and then you go, how do we all not know about a guy who said a million brilliant things, right? Like, how yeah. is it he one of those people that we're quoting every day? And part of that is even as black people, we didn't want people to know about James Baldwin because James Baldwin yeah. was gay. Right. And so it's even another layer to it. Like, black people are now going, oh, yeah, James Baldwin's one of my favorites. We skipped him. We skipped Bayard Rustin. We skipped all of these men who were involved in the movement, but they weren't politi- They weren't uh, pastors. Right. So for, for years and years, it seemed like the only type of leaders black people could have had to be associated with the church or some type of religion. Mm-hmm. Right. So Malcolm X, biggest leaders, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King in our history. And then you go Jesse Jackson and, and Reverend Mar- uh, Al, whatever, Sharpton. Sharpton. It's always got to be somebody. One of the reasons I actually and, enjoyed and Barack Obama because he didn't. Yeah, that's a good point. That was, that was my reason for people like, why do you think Barack is any different than those other guys? It's because he isn't a pastor. Right. And he's not following any type. He's not, he's I not mean, following he, he, a doctor. He clearly uh, lets you know he comes from Trinity, right. right? And he did go to church and he does believe right. in God, but he doesn't push it on to people. Right, right. Like, this is the way He it extracts to be. the values from the church teachings. Right. Yeah. But he applies the understanding of what he has to engage with on a daily basis. Yeah. It's a secular, yeah, politics is secular no matter how you slice it. You can try and make it religious and that's when you start kicking people out of bathrooms and, and getting involved in women's mm-hmm. wombs, which right. just weird. And, and that's right, where the problem no with religion. Let yeah. me do what the hell I want to. Yeah, that's, a, that's a big and problem. And stop body slamming reporters. That had nothing to do with that. I just wanted to put that out there. Who are you talking yeah. about, Kanye? No, but oh. yeah, I mean, he did body slam some reporters. <laughs> no, the dude that just won the special election in Montana for congressman slammed a uh, Guardian reporter two days ago. One day before the election, he physically choke slammed a reporter and still won. Wow. Like, it wasn't hidden. It was like Greg Gianforte is his name. But he, he two-hand choke slammed a reporter for asking him about health care. And then a rat just ran across the ceiling. That's how we get the millions in the ceiling. I think there's money up there. It has to be. I'm wondering what is Let's that. Go get it. Scrooge McDuck up there trying to find a way to hide more of his money. I don't remember Scrooge McDuck. All right. Let's get I money. was so envious of him back then. He used to dive in the money, B. Yeah. He used to the die. intro to that was like a fantasy. Swimming in it's money. It's like Richie Rich. Remember the intro? Oh, to Richie great, Rich. Great Richie Rich. Wow. We waxing nostalgic on when we were kids and we were trying to be rich. And now we're all rich. So, it's whatever. Now we're all rich. Yeah, I regularly bathe in gold coins. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I tend not we started to doing. We started trying to do that. Yeah, yeah you know yeah. the bathing and gold coin. It just it started to break my skin. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah it's, a, it's a thing. I, that's why I don't sleep on hundreds anymore. I used to do it, but it's 
Sloan's comfortable that you would think. It yeah. depends on who's the hundreds. Well, hands have touched things. Right, you gotta watch that hundreds. Kelly would get mad at me because I, I'm. A restless sleeper, right? And so it makes a lot like, of noise. Yeah, it's just yeah, money yeah. and coins. Just I was everywhere. getting paper cups because I kept trying to. You can't. Yeah. Just, you just can't do it. Yeah, it wasn't just. Yeah, we just put them in big ass yeah. trash bags. If you just yeah. get like three thousand count Egyptian cotton, oh, she's it works. Too. Oh, and put it under it. Three thousand thread over, count. If you get three thousand thread count, put it over it. It's yeah, another pair. Yeah, I heard. I actually read that on Pinterest. <laughs> I pinned it. It might have been one of my pins. Yeah. I don't know how this devolved to this one, but it's one of, my, one of my favorite things that's ever this happened. It's really weird tailing off of conversation right now. We're in an um, improv building. No, 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 no. We just improv the really, I really did enjoy the movie, though. Right. And I, I was like, oh, my God. And I was telling Mike, I said, you know where this came from, right? I was like, Polonius is the one that even told me about this dude. Yeah. Because I didn't even know who about about James Baldwin stuff. was. And it's so sickening to me now that I think about it because there's so many kids that are raised in lower income areas that probably have no idea who right. some of these great influencers are just even from a different a perspective like yeah. he yeah he makes you think and he is a writer and he writes his truth which is and is well articulated he's, he's as eloquent a human being as I've ever seen though. I mean he's like I don't think Shakespeare he's just extremely eloquent and if you watch him in an interview you realize that some people write really well because they've had time to sit down and think about what they want to say and they've edited and re-edited it and they found the perfect way to say it mm-hmm. after 10 different but edits. But when like you hear him speak, you yeah. realize that this is just how he talks. Right. And you're, it's an amazing... They, there aren't even the thoughtful pauses that somebody gives to make sure that they're wording it correctly. He's just off the top of his head, right. which lets you know that he's thought it. He's not answering these questions like this is the first time I've heard that. He's given these issues deep thought. So when you ask him a gotcha question, he's like, you didn't get me. I've already thought about this. Right. And this, this is, is all I think this about, is, all I think about <laughs> is, is yeah. critical race theory and, and where we go next and what that means for me and what that means for us as a larger group and what that means for white people. And what that mean. And he's got these answers just ready to go. He's, he's brilliant. And why do you, why do you think, where do you think that comes from? Like, why, did, why is he the outlier? Because like, not a lot of people can do what he does. I don't know. I was thinking, I was trying to figure that out because of where he comes from. He was born in New York, Bronx, right? right? Or uh, Brooklyn. Was it Harlem? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But he's, a, I think, I but, he's, but he spent time out of the country. He spent he time out of the country. Paris and in 19, how long was he there? 1940. I think Eight, trying I think. to figure out who he was yeah. in a way differently than we do because um, for us, I think, initially our parents tell us who we are. They identify us for us. And then we get older and our peer group, our friends identify us. And if we're comfortable with the way they identify us, we just roll with it. And if right? we're not, then we struggle. And if we're not, we with, struggle. But yeah. we, don't, we don't necessarily try to figure it out ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it seems like he's one of those self-realized people who sat down and figured out who he was, both in context of how he felt about himself. Because when you ask him about niggers and he says, well, if you say I'm a nigger, I know I'm not. So I don't have to deal with that. That means he's had that, he's had that conversation with himself. Yeah. But he also knows how the world sees him. And he said, well, why do they need to see me like that? So he's had this big conversation with himself about the world. And I don't do that. There's very, very minimal, often, there's you know very I mean? minimal self-actualization. How, how yeah. long did he spend? This, he was in Paris from, I don't know when he moved back, but he was there, I would say, for at least 15 years. Yeah. Because okay. I believe they called him when... It was after Martin Mega Luther Evan or Martin, one of them died. Not, I forgot which one died, right. For that, so... so yeah, I would, yeah, I would. I think that you're, you're, he definitely was had to have. He 
had an opportunity to give some good self-realization, right? Mm-hmm. The other part I'd add to that is I think he also had an opportunity to look at black America through a completely different lens mm-hmm. than living in it. Mm-hmm. You live in black America, you live in a bubble. I mean, if you live in America, you live in a bubble, mm-hmm. right? Because we're fed the media, especially back then, we're fed the media. We only interact with the people we interact with. We're forced to go work eight to 10 hours a day dealing with like-minded people, right? Mm-hmm. And so we live in a bubble for the most part. Mm-hmm. And we also, we're pretty secure. Even our poor aren't that bad. As where when you go to Paris, you go, right? And, mm-hmm. and not to relate this to the poor, but he has an opportunity to now see media or how the rest of the world depicts Operates. America right. during a time of turmoil. Mm-hmm. Tremendous, right? Tr- tumultuous times, right? So you get that, and it gives him this viewpoint that allows him to see it in a very objective manner. And not only that, he also learns how to speak English in a different way. Yeah. Because, you know, he had to learn another language, which also gives him a different mindset, mm-hmm. right? Different way of just viewing overall his whole perspective on the world. So with when you put that in combination and now you bring it back to who he is and what he represented, mm-hmm. right? It's a very well articulated, well thought out, because you're absolutely right, Monk. He had an opportunity to think about it. Right, he had an opportunity to not just when we when we're in it, we don't have a time to think about it. You're fighting it. You're trying right? to survive it. You're trying to survive it, right? You're in it, and you, you know only, it hurts. And you can only and you can say ouch, time, but you right? can't explain why. Right. It hurts. That's why it's so good to have friends and a, and a wife, right, and people around you that can say, "Yo, hey, man, pull back, you back in." Right. Yeah. But when you get a chance to step out of it and look in it, it's a it's a clear view, yeah. and I think that's what he had an opportunity to do. James Baldwin had an opportunity to step out of it look into it and get a very, very clear, concise view on what the problems were. Also, a point he made in the movie was, or in the book, was when he lived in Harlem, Mm -hmm. he said he was fighting to survive. That's all it was, was survival. And because he was, not only because he was fighting against just the fact that everybody hated Black people. Black people, mm-hmm. right? So he was fighting that fight, but then he was also fighting a fight that he was gay mm-hmm. in his own community. So now he's fighting to exist in his own community. And his own internal battles. Yeah, right. and his own internal battles. His father was a gay, pastor, so you right? also right. have this super religious, yeah. hyper religious upbringing where your blackness is kind of embraced and you believe that God's going to save you for that, but not you. Because you're gay. Right. But and right, you're ostracized, right? You're right. just. Yeah. Oh my God, and this white lady made a point in the, in the damn. Uh, movie where she said God will protect fools or thieves or something but he absolutely will oh, not forgive the, integration. Yeah, one of the videos. That's that, like the white lady really the felt that she was the, in the crazy thing she felt back that way. She yeah. really felt well, like I, he will not. I think what we've it. missed, what we've forgotten in this country, uh, and so two things, and to your first point, I was having this conversation with some Africans and you know, I was telling them that my experience with African-Americans isn't necessarily theirs, and it's partially because um, I don't think African-Americans necessarily view me as, as very African, which is whatever. You know, it's not something I, I worry about, but it's interesting because... But you are Ethiopian. Right. Absolutely. It's, it's great because I make good food. But one of the most interesting things about that is African-Americans know very little about other countries, and people go, well, that's an ignorance on African-Americans' part, Americans part, which is partially true, but Americans in general know very little about other countries. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've had a guy tell me that black people, uh, Africans didn't eat with 
their hands until Europeans got there. And I went, well, that's not true. Uh, Ethiopians ate with injera bread, and injera, you just eat with your right hand. You never use your left hand. But we absolutely eat with bread and not utensils because our bread is delicious. And then you eat the bread when you finish with the food. It's great. Yes. And he was like, see, you don't, your history starts with slavery to you. And I was like, that has nothing to do with slavery. Like, Ethiopians right. were literally not even, they, none of the slaves came from Ethiopia. That's the eastern half of, Europe, uh, of Africa. They weren't going that far to bring you this far. That's right. not how it worked. But then it hit me, Africa for a lot of Americans is just one thing. Mm -hmm. You came black. from Africa. It's just black. It's just black. You're from South Africa. You're right. from Tanzania. You're from Mozambique. You're from no, no, no. Well, those Africans, Kenyans and Nigerians are the same. But they're from the opposite sides, opposite coasts of the country. That's like New York and California. It's almost people like saying same. that the whole United States is California. Right. right. They see the entire Right. That's exactly right. how they, they look at it. They look at La La Land. Oh, right. Oh, oh, United oh, States is like what that. it means. And so but that's a great, <laughs> the, the point is when Baldwin gets a chance to get outside. And, and again, Harlem, New Yorkers are very specific about not caring about the rest of the world. Right. They're in their borough. It's, right. it's, 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 it's not, not borough. Even borough. <laughs> it's right. If you're from Brooklyn, you're from Brooklyn. Harlem dudes ain't nothing, fam. They're like 10 minutes away from you. Right. Brooklyn. That's it. Hey. So to get out of Harlem, get on a plane or boat Harlem. To get out of Harlem. <laughs> that's why I knew he did. Like, yeah, uh, but to get out of Harlem and go to France. And then to be able to look at America through the prism of French newspapers. Mm -hmm. And to re and like you said, to relearn a language. When you when you have to when you're forced to start over at the beginning and learn a, a language from scratch, you can I kind of rebuild who you are. You can remake yourself, yeah. right? And so I think he was an intellectual before he got there. I think he was a thinker before he got there, but he had an opportunity to now be separate from, and let's not pretend like, you know, there's no racism in these foreign countries, and, right. but it was a, an absolutely different it thing. It looked different. Yeah, it was a lot different. And even, listen, even when we talk about uh, the British people and we talk about poverty here, poverty there means you're likely in a place with two bedrooms, two baths, the water's running, it's clean, it's very little right. crime, no one's getting shot. Crime there is you might get beat up, right. right? And so here, poverty is a different kind of weird, but it's still not poverty like in Brazil. Right. Yeah. So right. there's, there's the layers. The third world country. Right. So there's layers to this where people are literally dying of starvation. Right. And it's happening here, but to the degree that it's happening is way different. Yeah. Poor people here have access to the internet. Right. right, exactly. You know right. what I mean? And that's Poor when you start drawing a line. Right. Right. And, and that's, that's when you draw a line when someone's like, I have say, no access to I do to this that. because I got to have my, you know, so we can eat. Like, no, no, right. that's not true. Because right. <laughs> the essentials are provided for you. You're doing this so you, you, can, so you can eat well. So you can eat very, very right. well. Now, I mean, right. granted, we have places like, we have Flint, Flint, Michigan, where people have water issues. And there are actually multiple counties that have more problems with their water than Flint. We hear about Flint because that was the first place we heard about but when you get a chance to step outside of what you're looking at and a lot of times I just hang around with my friends who are African and that gives me a chance to back away from the experience a little bit yeah. just to go to a Najah restaurant and eat with my friends and talk about you know things that we have in common and I realize oh shit that's not a quirk that's not some weird thing I do right that's somewhere back recessed in my mind that I, I'm supposed to do mm -hmm. and then I go oh the genetic trauma never touched me. I didn't get the genetic, because there's this thing now where you can pass trauma down and you wonder why even poor white people who are from generations of poor, of poverty, can't seem to get right, right? Well, there's this, this passing down of abuse where 
the cortisone levels are automatically increased in these babies. And you mm-hmm. go, well, why do these babies have high levels of cortisone, which is your stress, which is an indication that you have stress? The baby. Why is a baby stressed out? Because right. the mom was stressed out. Wow. And her mom was stressed yeah. out. Yeah, we, we, experienced that with our, right. yeah, we experienced that with our baby. Yeah, that's it. That's a guess. normal thing, right? Yeah. See, why is your baby so fussy? Because I was stressed out the whole right. pregnancy. There are chemical imbalances. Yeah. That are that are set forth by real social issues. Real social issues, right? right. And that's a problem, right? When a social issue now you affects the chemical, right? Right. And now that chemical imbalance messes with your individual self. It now has to go out here and affect the world yeah. for you to go affect other people. And you can get, you can, you and can, you can undo deal it. with it. You can though. undo you can, it. You can undo it, and but it, but takes, it takes time. It takes time, and it well, takes. You, you have, have to, to also takes recognize. You have to know it. It takes understanding, and a lot of people don't know because we again we live in our bubble. And you know what? A woman made a comment at this uh, event that we went to where she said, well, you know, because he said that Mike made a comment where he talked about there, there was no difference. Right. Right. How things have not changed. If you look at what was going on then with all of the, mm-hmm. the media and, you know, Mega Evers' death, Malcolm X death, Max, yeah. you know, Martin Luther King death, and how they were, unless they were a five-year span from 1963 right. to 1968. Oh, it was crazy. Right. And all of this stuff that was going on, and then you look at today's time and what has really changed for us. Um, and this lady said, well, there, I think things have changed. Uh, I'm in a blended family, and, you know, she's a white chick. I don't know. I guess she was white-ish. I don't know what she right. was. Exactly. Well, she was just in a mixed family. She yeah. was in a very, like, yeah, uh, she was in a multicultural like, I'm in a blended family. family, and I think that things have changed. And I think, you know, I can go to a restaurant, I can sit out, and I can eat with them, and nothing's. And then that's when I, I, I made a comment where I was like, you're living, first of all, we're in Evanston. Right. Evanston would be the epitome of what we would want America to be. Right. You know what I mean? If we if we looked at it on a large scale. Like Evanston is one of those places Blended, where it right. is very integrated. It is a lot of different mixed families and, and you see a lot of different people from different cultures working on the similar goals and projects together. And keep in mind there were there were places like that then up north. Right. Yeah. So there was still New York City back then right. where it wasn't integrated. What's weird about Illinois to me is that Illinois was at no point part of the Confederacy, right? And Chicago right. has never not been segregated. It's always been as segregated as it right. is now. Chicago is very segregated. Uh, it is the mo- well, it is the most, the most segregated, segregated city most in America. In yeah. So then if you go south in Illinois, right? Like once you get down Peoria and, and Decatur and all of these places south, we went... Um, the owner of the company I used to work for used to have a four-seater, well, he still do, does, I believe. He has a four-seater airplane, uh, and on weekends, we would fly his plane. Mm-hmm. And he was, like, teaching me, like, I would go up in the air, and he would turn the autopilot off and go, Monk, go ahead, turn it to this. And we'd fly to these small regional airports throughout the, the state. We'd go as far as Ann Arbor, Michigan, and we'd go as far south as, you know, St. Louis. or So we're going south to this place called Mount Vernon, Illinois. It's almost as far south as you can go without being in Missouri. And we get out, and they're daughters of the Confederacy having a meeting. But the Confederacy wasn't part of Illinois. And so when you realize that there are people who live in this state who fly Confederate flags, even though this state was at no point part of the Confederacy, Indiana, Michigan, Mm -hmm. as far up as Maine where people are part of the Confederacy, this idea, and, and this is in 2017, the idea that it's gotten better in a tangible enough way that we can pretend that it's fine is the problem. Has it increased incrementally? Sure. If I'm weighed 160 pounds and tomorrow I weighed 163 pounds, I gained weight. Right. I got bigger. Did I get bigger in a tangible way? No. Right. But but technically speaking, I got bigger. So technically speaking, yes, it's better. And that's right. the point I was trying to make. But I tell in reality, I said, no. Yeah, I said, I'm in a blended family too, but we came from Woodlawn. 
So right. we know what the inner city still looks like. We know still. that we moved from the CPS school district to be in a better school district because they right. are still not teaching right. black kids or low-income people what they really need to know in order to excel at life. And we know so, that your children are 16, 15, 16, 17 years old and have never heard of James Baldwin. Yeah. Right. So, exactly. so that it's got, you know exactly. what I mean. So I think, it's like, it's getting. I think it's also the point that I, I mean, because I, I understand where she's coming from, yeah. right? I understood exactly where her comment. Her comment was coming because, comes from again, it's when you live in that bubble, right? And that's just complacency, right? That's yeah. just saying, hey, it's, yeah, it's I found my, I found my place of happiness in life. I'm going, I'm willing to deal with these external factors for the sake of. You know, as long as I can have time with my family, provide a roof. And really, those ideas were set forth based on media, society, right? Those were all given to us. But um, the, the, part that, the part that I wanted, that I was trying to convey to her, to her was overall, if we look at, because the point that I brought out was, if you look at the headlines, mm -hmm. right, in this, that were being put out, right, that, that Malcolm X would hold up, seven, you know, uh, seven police acquitted for, you know, murdering a black man. Same thing. Same thing back then. That never stopped. Mm -hmm. You know, when you look at the video footage, the minimum, the, the stuff that we constantly see of police brutality that's replayed from the past that we're seeing at an all-time high today, that stuff never stopped. When I went to Ferguson, it, I called my mom. I remember calling my mom the second day I was there after I spent one night. And we went, we got there... The second time when we went back, because we went twice. The second time we went back, we got there the Friday that they released the video. And it was peaceful all day long. And then they released the video of Mike Brown in the store. And you could feel the tension. Break. Right. It, it got weird. <clears throat> right. And so about 7.30, 8 o'clock, it starts to get dark. And we head back to the hotel room. But it's still calm. People are out. They're enjoying each other. The community is trying to heal. Right. And then the police show up about an hour after we got back to the hotel room, and I start getting text messages from my friends who are out there like, hey, um, this doesn't feel right. So we, me and my boy get in the car, we head back out there, and I remember getting out of the car and, and feeling, I've been to prison, right? and I've never felt like you was in a concentration this heavy. camp. Right. This was heavy, you know what I mean? Like there was, the, when you hear people say the tension was in the air, I could, I've never felt that until then. I right. felt it, I went, this is, somebody's gonna die. Right. And that's all I kept thinking. Well, somebody's going to die. And I called my mom the next day and I said, this is what 1963 felt like. Right. It had to be. Right. Where you're walking and you're doing this, you're standing up for something, and, but you know you might not. And we it. see that yeah. that feeling doesn't change. The way they regulate it change. Right. The way they publicize it changes. Right. The spin they put on it mm -hmm. changes. But it doesn't change. And doesn't so change. the question, you know, when you look at the prison systems, right, you look at the mass incarceration and you look at the privatizations of prisons and how much of an, how much of an economic system that's becoming in itself. Yeah. And then you right? look at the documentary 13th and realize yeah. right. that you legally realize, And then you see, and then you look at, you know, it's just, you, it's just a clear indication that things just look better. They but look the better. things are not. And I yeah. think that's the core of what James Baldwin, if you look at this video, mm -hmm. The core of it is, is that we have been brainwashed because he was drawing all of these different um, media publications that were coming out that were showing, you know, just, hey, white people having fun, right? Or, and people smiling and all these different things. You see all that stuff, right? And it's brainwashing because it's like, yo, this is what I'm going to focus on. That's no different than reality TV today, yeah. right? Let me, right, right, that's no different than Dancing with the Stars. Like the fact that I've seen the, the, the ex-cut or the ex-whoever, 
the baseball player yeah, that's been yeah. Yeah, all over. Damn, like, this thing is a big deal. Every time I turn on WGN, this is what I see. Yeah. Right. right? So it's just, it's, it's all brainwashed. It's all things that are meant to distract, but people aren't realizing things haven't gotten better. Things may look easier for us. As long as you're willing, as long as you're able to get to a certain point in life. Right. But as long as you're able. Right here in America, we have a big bottom who's still struggling. And, and, and the, bottom, of the America, side of the bottom, the size of the bottom is growing. Growing. To rat, yeah. When you start talking about yeah. inequality, that's what you're talking Not about. That there are more poor. Yeah, sorry. Than <laughs> Not yeah. Do we digress? We, we, we have 30 minutes. Okay. Uh, but... Bye. No. Okay, right. uh, no, we're not going to end here because I do want to briefly talk about the point that um, that the point of today's podcast, and we can actually make it into two segments if need be, but the idea that kids should be seen and not heard. And so hmm. I want to I bring that up because I feel like to an extent, if you listen to somebody like a James Baldwin, right, mm-hmm. and you think about, you know, he, he, he clearly made a point that it's not changing. It can't be changed, right? It's systematic, right? right. He made that very clear, that this is what it is. No. Now, now, I think he said that it can be changed, but said, we can't change he it. He said we can't. We can't. It's, it's right, 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 right. Okay, right. And so, with that being said, right, it's systematic, but if you think about what the things we can do on our level, mm-hmm. us, as, as individuals, how we bring up that next generation, right, and their ability to speak out and stand mm-hmm. up for themselves, how are we encouraging that? And I just think about when I was growing up, you know, I was never, I was never one of those kids that was told I should be, I've heard the saying, kid, you you know, I don't want to, I've heard it before, but it was never really enforced enforced on me because I was one of those kids that talked anyway. I was like, I I got something to say, you know, I was like, that's just, I've always been that kind of person. So for, but I've seen other people where that has been an issue in their family. And then I posted something on Facebook because I was curious to know how many people still thought like that. Right. Mm -hmm. So I said, are there people out here that still believe that kids should be seen and not heard? And I got so many likes of people that was like, and then they put up the like the, the hands with yeah. the, the yeah, they should, the yeah. praise hands, like yes. A whole bunch of people like, yep, sure enough, for sure. And I'm like, to me, I'm thinking like We don't value children. So let's I'm let's like, just why, be clear why would, on that. and I and I put I put in there when people started saying yep and yes and I commented and said, oh, don't be mistaken. I don't believe this <laughs> at all. I feel like children's mm-hmm. voices should be encouraged so that they can grow up to have confidence in themselves to speak out. You know, if we stop that now as at 5 and 6 and 7 or 10 or 15, if we tell them your voice is not important, what the fuck do you think they're going to think when they're conversing with an adult yeah. at 23 so, and something's going wrong and yeah. they want to voice What's their the point? line? Where's, what's the line? If yeah. you say children are supposed to be seen and not heard, what's the line? At what is point do you tell them their 21? voice is good enough? Yeah. Right. Well, well they, I think, I th- oh, well. And so I just ahead. think, so to, to, to circle that back into what we initially talked about, mm-hmm. and to now, like, what are we doing, right, mm-hmm. as parents, as individuals, to encourage that next generation to be, you know, proud of their voice and to be, in, 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 and to be confident in what they have to say? Well, I think we need to first establish your question, though. Let's let's segue that because I like that segue, right? That's uh, the, you know, your question of are, you know, should children be seen and not heard? Because that drew a lot of attention, it right? Is. And there's people that have two different views on it. I believe we might even have three different views in this room. Mm-hmm. But to segue that, because what James Baldwin is bringing to to the forefront is is that there's 
traditional values that have been followed, and you can follow those and be complacent if you want, and then you could stay exactly where you are. And as a race, black people could have just stayed exactly where they're, if there weren't people to step to the forefront and willing to fight. And willing to step out, right? yeah. So now, how do you encourage, and if you were to look at the Malcolm X's of the world and the Martin Luther King's, the James Baldwin's, how do you take those three people and look at how they were brought up, mm-hmm. and and what, how did those values get attained by them, and how were they able to lead a generation? Because that's the, has to be the question is not because the the seen and not heard value is a I want you to look like you're a good child, especially. I don't even public. I don't even know if that's it. I don't even know if people know why they say that. I think it's a generational thing that they just keep passing down that they believe. No, no, no. Kids' voices aren't important. But nobody why? does because any. We were told that. You know but what I mean? Nobody like does any. I mean, <laughs> there's habitual, right? There's definitely habitual, but there's a reason why. Nobody, because if you yeah, were to say, well, why are you talking to your kid like that? Because what would that be? Because because nobody just does something. If yeah, you were to if ask, ask somebody they're, why, because kids, because because I'm the mama and you're supposed to do this. I'm the father. You don't disrespect me. If I tell you to do something, it's because I, I you do it because I said so. Which is not a real you know, reason question. why. Right, they're not real reasons. <laughs> but what's their reason but why? But that's their re- And the weirdest part about that is what, what we're saying, and I, I just had, I'm writing, you know, I'm writing this one-man play, and I'm trying to do it in chronologically. So I'm looking at my life from zero to five because I don't remember much of that and then five to 13 because I remember more of that and I'm starting to come into my own and I remember literally at age seven freedom ending and it's a weird thing and my freedom I had no more like people like oh childhood the last time I was free I stopped being free at seven years old and it's because my stepfather moved in she my mom got married my stepfather beat my mom and my ass and I remember thinking to myself my mom forced my dad to give up his parental rights for this dude who's whipping my ass, and she's not stopping him from whipping my ass, what the hell is going on? And then they split. And I was like, Phew. And then my mom kept whipping my ass. Mm. So and I'm like, wait a minute. That mentality. Wait a minute. You left him for beating you, but it was okay for him to beat That's me. an adoptive behavior. That's how I felt, right? Yeah. And, and it might not have been what, but the, the, what we do as adults. And that might not even be the reason. That might not even be the reason, but that's how it felt. And so what we've done as parents a lot of times is we pass down this, it's okay to beat children. Which is it's not okay. It's like, not. you can't hit Kelly. Right. It's not a question. We don't have to discuss it. There's no debate. Right. There's not, unless, there's just, you can't hit Kelly. Right. But you can hit Kelly's kids. And that's the, that, you see what I mean? Like, well, you can't. You but you can't. can't. Right. And, and, but and, you can. Like, it, there will be people who defend, there are more people who would defend you beating the kids than beating Kelly. Like if right. we were to, if I were to put on, on Facebook, if I had to tear my daughter say, ass up. Man, Mike had to give Faith a whooping the other day because of blah, blah, blah. A you lot get of a people, lot of hands up. But, right, but if I was a patient fool, I had to beat my wife ass. I had to because, beat my wife ass. Because exactly. she didn't have the dishes clean. They, I'm going to get a bunch of Exactly. Now this is logical. But I'll lose a lot of friends. And, right. this, is, <laughs> and this has been logic out. Like and this whole it. conversation is logical. We, yeah. we hear it. Right. We're saying, yes, you know what? It is illogical to beat children. Children out of all of us are the least able to protect themselves. Children out of all right. of us are the least able to. Do, but what we have also done is, I gave you life. So you owe me respect. Right. And that's a weird, 
the and it's not a correct and it's a logic thing. Right. But you know what? So weird ass logic, fam. It's an okay. It's you know. I'll tell you what though. The the logic, you know, especially when Bill Cosby said it, and and I know that he's kind of been, you know, the Disney driver. But let's let's talk about what. The, you know, when you look at that family model, what that did look like. Yeah, and that was a beautiful What you did model. see was you saw you saw conversations happening. You saw him talking to him, reasoning with him, and also relating to him on their level. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I remember, I, I remember my greatest, my best episode was when he had Theo with the Monopoly money. And that was with, early, first season. Great right? episode. And it was a great episode. And it, But it was, it, that's how it showed you how to communicate. And I remember, that's how I came up, and my dad, I used to hate it, but he lectured the hell out of me. Now, the thing that he didn't do was talk to me, right? We didn't have, like, back-and-forth right. conversation. But I'll be honest, at that age, I probably wasn't willing to. I was an angry child. And he and, did allow Theo and Vanessa and Rudy to, to voice their to opinion. Explain, yeah. right. And then he logic his way through. Right. My now, mom I do have, now there's some, encourages them to, to believe in now their here's, own voice. Now, hold on. Here's what I will say, because the show in itself does, in fact, I think it's a pathway to happiness. But I also think that it limits. Let's not get into it. I'll digress yeah. on that one. But <laughs> my point is, is that... Right, <laughs> but you know, it's just the model is you know it's that that parental model is there of communication yeah. and allowing the thoughts to flow freely, right, and not saying no, don't talk to me, no, mm-hmm. this is your place without reasoning because everything has to have a why, yep. and if you understand the why, you know how to one, you know why it was wrong. Well, because Two, I you said know how so, it's never the right, answer. and you know why to, pre- and you know now how to prevent it, and why I felt like that, right? Like I had an incident with Faith. Last night, right, where she walked away with an attitude, right, and we were talking about, and she took it as when I was trying to tell her, well, those pants are kind of, they're ripped, a little bit high, not, you know, it's just, I, they look good, they look good, right. but, but but she took a slight offense because she must have thought that I was, like, critiquing her judgment on right. her pants, and I'm like, no, nah, babe, I'm not saying, listen, sit down, listen. I'm strictly coming from a parental concern standpoint. I think it looks great, you know, but I wanted to make sure that she understood that, you know. But that's a different type of parenting than a lot of people experience because if I said something and you got an attitude, now the conversation is over. Don't you get an attitude with me, young lady? Right. So right, I'm not even that's true. Right. And, and, and we and used to parent, we, we used to actually parent, parent like that. Like right. Don't you get an attitude? And here's now. the problem with that is, and we had to fix that. People get attitudes, right? right. Sometimes that's people say things, and you, and you get an attitude. Right. And so what yeah. you're saying to that person is, you're not allowed to have emotions when it comes to me. Right. And that's the most illogical shit I've ever fucking heard. If you right. can't have emotions with your parents, then who the hell can you have emotions? That should be the exactly. safest place that's in the world. That's the safest for you, place to have emotions. Is to have yeah. A, right. So right. yeah, I think that yeah, no, I, I, children should be seen and I heard is some is a, a throwback idea that I think people hold on to because it makes them feel comfortable. It gives them some way of linking to the past, and it definitely gives them power. Yeah. But reality like is, I parented like yeah. that for the first eight years of baby How life, could you? That's how you were parented, just, likely. Exactly. I was parented like that, and I didn't never include. And, and even though she did include herself in conversations, right. I would just be like, whatever. You know, ain't nobody, folks, ain't nobody talking to you. Grown folks talk or conversations. Or something like, like that mm-hmm. would be my dismissive way of, of, of putting. I would never tell her like, shut up, or this is grown folks' business. I would mm-hmm. just be like, you know, go in the other room, yeah. or let me and look, grandma deal with there this. Are some conversations that I, I think that you have to have with a child in a different way because they haven't seen everything. Yeah, right. they don't understand it. But right. I will say the other side to that is when we say, well, how am I supposed to explain that to my child? Probably the same way you explain it to anyone else. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like this is that that's one of the arguments about uh, about homosexuality being on a TV. Or how am I supposed to explain to my kids two men kissing? Two men are kissing. <laughs> <laughs> Ta-da! You did it. Just did it. Congratulations. You did. You know what I mean? But right. you know, well, well, what if they have follow-up questions? We'll have follow-up answers. It's not. So what you're saying is, it's not that you can't explain it to your kids 
because they're too young. You don't understand it. Right. So maybe you need to go out and seek some information. Seek some exactly. information. And, and right. I think that's how we parent I, is yeah. when we get to that part where we don't know what to do next, we put it off on the kid. Don't ask me that shit. No. Ask me. I need, Force me to go look. And it's really easier, in my opinion, to parent now. It is. Than it was for our parents. Because I I say that all the time. I said it on stage the other night. I was like, shit, I used to be mad at my dad because he would give me bullshit answers. But the truth is, he didn't have Google. I mean, if you ask my dad, hey, man, why is the sky blue? (laughs) Shut the fuck up, man. Go on in your room. Right. Ask me, why why is the sky blue? Motherfucker, I don't know. Look, uh, Google. I mean, Siri, why is the sky blue? Because three days ago, I posted, do you think it's easier to parent children now than it was back in the day? And so many people was like, no, no, nowadays you got all these different distractions and social media, you got all this stuff that that, that makes it well, hard to tell them what to do without them going to look. Then it was somebody else said... Um, that's the interesting again, thing you said about it, them going to look it up. But you can't tell them nothing without listen, them checking on you. Kids don't listen nowadays. They're, they're, they're uh, disrespectful is one of the things I had. They like, said no, it about my generation too. My kids is any more dis- disrespectful than they were I was a disrespectful ass I sold kid. crack, well, me. Like, I, <laughs> I sold but crack. Again, all these things, when you hear people say no kids or when people focus on the negatives, again, that's people that live in a bubble. Right. Yep. They live in a bubble of what they're worldly. No, kids don't. Kids observe. Kids adopt. Right? Kids, kids become adaptive to their, indus- yeah. to their environment. And yeah. if you give them that environment, they're going to adapt but to it. Don't. And then they're going to. And that's the problem. Right? We don't adapt. But right. we so don't parents, adapt. When right? the parents don't Not adapt and the kids do, we're like, oh, kids are bad. Right. Look, the world is going to keep progressing. <clears throat> right. You can progress with it, or you can be the stubborn old curmudgeonly motherfucker at 32. Exactly. Well, it wasn't like that when I was growing up. Yeah, it wasn't. Everything, now what? Everything, <laughs> now what? It's, everything it is like that changes now. Everything changes everything, and you have to adapt to it, yeah. and you have to embrace that change. If you don't do it in business, you'll be out of business. If you don't do it in your, in your, own, in your own eating habits, because right. food has changed, you're going to be dead. If you don't do it in parenting, you're preparing your children for 20 years ago. Right. And that's my argument is, I don't want to prepare my kids for 1985. Yep. Right. They're not going to grow up in 1985. They're not growing up in the crack era. They're not growing right. up in the 90s era of hip-hop. They're growing up in an era where, at their fingertips, they have access to information that I just got access to yesterday right they I had actually, it at eight i'm talking to my daughter i tried to listen to her mm-hmm. more than i do talk because i'm just interested on her views and opinions your daughter has a saying. lot of really yeah. well thought out i'll tell yeah. you yeah. children she, she talks yeah. like she we had a conversation the other day about about uh, global warming yeah. and trump and how he you know and she had this and i didn't necessarily agree with where she was coming from and i was starting to almost defend my point right well i was like well no and then i was like no just listen to yeah. her just listen to what she's saying and why she thinks this and, and where she's coming from and where and you know her different facts that she's gotten from wherever right. what does that mean for her and why right and by listening to her from that standpoint i'm able to communicate with her on her level mm-hmm. because now i see where she's coming from right. and she's and, and listen Versus impo- they could still be wrong ideas. right, right. Like, they, they could still be wrong yeah. right but, 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 but also we have to let them we have to hear it all the way out before we say they're wrong, mm-hmm. right. your, your daughter actually made that point she did. on our podcast. I'll tell you, she and is, it was, she is one of the sometimes most, y'all think I'm saying something right. that I'm not say saying that. at She's all, like, Ma, but no, you never let me out. finish it. She right. said, Ma, yeah. no, hear me out, because a lot of times y'all think I'm saying something that I'm not saying. Yeah, that's a good she point. She did say that, and that's true. We do. We finish their statements and be like, oh, so you just, that's, okay. My mom, and then they shut down. Until maybe because five years ago would say, I know you better than you know yourself. And I remember saying to her about five or six years ago, how? I haven't lived with you since I was 16. I've right. lived 22 years without you and 16 years with you. Why do you think I stopped growing at 16? In what way could you possibly know me better than I know myself when I've spent 24 hours a day, every day with me? 
Right. You've never spent that much time right. with me after the but, nine months I was in your womb, fam. Yeah. What are you talking about? So there's this idea as a parent that we lord that over the. I know right. you better than you know your bullshit. You know what you think you, you want me to be. Right. You've kept me in a certain state, a certain state yeah. or a certain place in life, and that's where yeah. you think I'm going to remain. And, and that's, that's not true. And, that's, and that's why we don't listen. I mean, to and that's how, and that's a parent. I mean, that's how we've adopted parenting as a whole, right? Because mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. kind of been handed down to us. But as a, as in, in general, right? We look at you know, keeping an open mind, we listen to faith. Those ideas, we don't, we, there's no way we could ever know our children better than they know themselves. Mm-hmm. There's no way because they're the ones who have a perception on what's going on. It's their perspective. And we have to, we have to honor that and respect it because their perspectives were, were bred from the upbringing that we provided for them, right? Or yeah. should have provided for them. And what we hope is that we provide enough positive, right. encouraging values for her to draw her opinions from and where we see that there's not we can't say faith just like that no we have to say we built that value into right. her and we have to adjust it by adjusting our values right so Kelly and I if it's something we don't like right or, Kelly, or something she's doing that we think is going to be harmful for her in the future then how do we address that without telling her that's wrong right. how can we show like, her yeah how can we show her yeah. like yeah because Kelly and I have a bad habit of and we had a very bad habit of just telling her to stop right and then now we have to start encouraging not even if the, it's a bad idea. Who cares? The fact that our daughter took the time to research it, the fact that she, she was bold enough and courageous enough to bring that idea to us and open enough to bring it to us, that's what's important to that's me. I'm yeah. like, man, that's, that's a dope idea. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's see. Right? Let's, let's, let's we, shoot our shot, fam. Let's we go respect, for it. We respect. I don't think we believe in ourselves sometimes as parents that we've done a good job or that we're doing what's right. And, and so we don't encourage our kids to go out there and make these decisions for themselves because we're like, you're not going to be able to handle it. You're That's, not going to be able to handle it. She made that point, too, yeah. about um, trusting. Yeah. She, when you asked her what are some things that you wish parents did, and she said, trust us. Trust that yeah. you taught us to do the right thing. Right. Trust that you taught us to make good decisions. So trust that when we're in a position where we have to make a decision, we're going to make the right decision. Right. And that's passed down too, I think. And I think we don't. My mom definitely didn't trust that's me. That's passed down. So my mom right. recently, Absolutely did. recently my mom said something to me, like probably within the last month, and I was like, Mom, trust that you raise a daughter that is capable of doing this. I and had he, to say right. that, and she was like, okay. Okay. And even when, and even when you even when you say that, I and basically the all right is all right. I ain't gonna say nothing else. But 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 I feel this. But I still right. And so you know, my mom and I've had this conversation about comedy. We've had this conversation about marriage. We've had and and you know, I don't engage anymore. I'm I'm not I'm not really a good kid. I'm a better father than I am son uh, at this point in my life. But it's mostly because I'm not going to be able to undo what my mom thinks about parenting. Yeah. Right. And I'm also not going to submit to that. Voluntarily, because I'm at the age now where I, I, you don't, I don't have to let you talk shit to me, right? right? And we've been taught that that's what parent, that's what being a child is. Well, you know, that's your mom. You let your mom say whatever because that's your mom, right. and she fed you for a while. So for the rest you of your life, you got to deal with it. And right. I, you know, I don't want my kids to see that. I right. want my kids to know that you never have to tolerate being mistreated. Right. Because if you treat them that they have to tolerate it from the people that they love, what's to stop my daughter from dating a motherfucker who mistreats her because she loves him? Right. What's to stop my son from being all googly-eyed about some pretty girl and she's running him through the mill? But, right. you know, and, but I've taught them 
that you have to. That you have, if if you love someone, you tolerate bullshit. No, you don't. You don't, you don't tolerate. You don't tolerate bullshit. And they'll look at me like, hey man, you, why did you say that to grandma? Because grandma was on bullshit, family. We you never let we check own, bullshit. You express bullshit. in a respectful <laughs> manner. You right. Express how you feel, right. and you and you can right. only hope that this person is going to receive it in a way where they don't take offense. To yeah, it. I ain't cussing. I'm, I'm not going to be like, bitch, shut the fuck up. But what I will say is, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Right. Yeah. So you like, we'll do this conversation. Yeah, I'm not gonna do that. Like, we'll talk about yeah, this. We can talk about it, but I'm not going to do that. Right. And and if you want to know why, we can talk about it now. We can talk about it, but but it's still not gonna happen. Gosh, I, I hate you. these kumbaya <laughs> episodes where we don't have any opposing views. But oh I guess yeah, fuck these kids. They should be seen. And I'm sorry, y'all gotta let, give me the Stephen A. Smith call. But in this particular oh. case, first of all, if you think these kids are out here making decisions for themselves, you've got another thing coming. <laughs> it's ridiculous to think that these kids. These kids, Tyron Lou, Mike Brown, the, these children, Tiago Splitter. <laughs> okay, that's my uh, Stephen A. Thank Smith. Thank you, thank you for that. I'll be here all week, people. And that on, was, on that, that note, <laughs> I think we're going to end. Uh, Tiago I, I Splitter. Really do, I do really feel like this is a really good episode, and um, I look forward to having more episodes, more conversations about this, because yeah. I feel like we are, we, we're denying our children the ability to run this world after we're gone. You know, by teaching them these same, it, it, it's, it's just creating, it's keeping us stagnant. It doesn't have any think, growth or evolution if we're not allowing yeah, them to grow. Yeah, I think the, the, the core thing is that we got to teach our children how to be happy, confident, and how to be helpful, how to be mindful, right, and be, you know. Compassionate. Those, those are the and, values that yeah. need to be passed down, not not getting like rich, I do. grind Make out, money. work hard. Not not this, you know, not not these values that have been set in our place and then just embedded in our brain. We're you know, so we're dying to where yeah, we're dying out there because of that, right? I mean, it's got to be about the real values that really matter, and that's mm-hmm. about people, you know. Yeah. And, and on that note, kumbaya, my lord. <laughs> we out. Thank y'all for listening. Tiago, split up with Monk. And Mike. Mike.